the Great Void. Greetings and welcome back to the Great Void and to part 2 of our grand conversation with the multi-instrumentalist, the musical adventurer, the legendary Mr. John Holm himself. And if you missed part 1, we advise you to listen to it first, but all in all, me and John are discussing his latest solo release, 1865-1895, Cast Iron Blood, and all the great art that influenced it, including, but not limited to, Cormac McCarty, The Mighty Swans, and Ennio Morricone, and lots more. So here we go! Alright, okay John, so as I mentioned, we're gonna continue talking more about uh, your uh, works and uh, the, the track A River of Iron Flows where once the gallows stood. It's uh, really uh, another splendid uh, track from the album and I think it's the most uh, layered dynamic one. It's uh, kind of different from uh, the last place I remember because it uh, has a lot more going on. Like it's a, a rich track. Was that a, a conscious decision to, to make something very different or did it just shape up once you started toying with, uh, uh, with the train elements, with the rails and everything? Um, it was, it evolved. Um, River of Iron was actually the, one of the first songs that I started working on when I was playing live. Um, cause I needed more material than just, you know, I, I literally couldn't recreate everything on last place. I remember. So the stuff that I could create, I, I did live, but it, it just wasn't enough. So I started working on more material and River of Iron in, in its skeletal form, you can hear in early YouTube videos of, of my performances back going as far back as 2015. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it certainly evolved through the years. I mean, that's a song that, uh, I mean, it was, it was three years in the making at least, you know, um, and it just got more and more and more evolved. The more I would play through it and the more that I would think about it, <clears throat> you know, cause originally it didn't have any percussion. Mm -hmm. And then now suddenly it has like full on percussion. Yeah, it's the backbone of the truck, like yeah. Yeah, and those and that all that percussion was done in one take. Like I didn't rehearse it. I just sat, you know, I told Tad I, I want to have some percussion on this. That's kind of like you know Marconi or Swans. And so he would set up a drum set and he was like, "All right, just do what you got to do." And we did it, <laughs> and it was like one take. All right. Because um, once again, it goes back to that Mark Hollis approach, and. Uh, so yeah, I mean that song evolved, it evolved uh, over over time, and it even evolved as we were recording it in the studio because the organ that appears towards the end that was a spontaneous thing in the studio. We were getting, we were pretty much wrapping everything up, and I was listening through it, and the vocal part comes and goes, and then there's that section where there's just there's a little, there's a couple more repeats of the of the guitar line, and I was like, ah, it needs something else. You know what? What would what would what would you do in the 1800s? Well, you'd put an, an organ there. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or what, what would Ennio Morricone do? You know, and uh, so yeah, he 
you know, obviously this whole thing was recorded digitally, so we were able to do a lot of really on-the-fly editing, and he, he found an old church organ sound, and so we just did it. And, it, and once again, it was kind of like my first, uh, what you hear is basically my first instinctual uh, approach to what, what should be there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so, you know, the song evolved all the way from 2015 up until the moment it was recorded. <laughs> all right. And uh, th- that's another thing I wanted to ask. Uh, did you record all of the instruments uh, by yourself or uh, yes. did you have a, a little help from uh, anyone? The only thing that I did not record was the violin. Yeah, I thought so. Like, like I was thinking uh, he, he probably could manage everything else, but probably not the violin. Uh, although no. you, you could have learned, I have no idea. And Tad added some percussion to cast in the shape of 1878. Mm-hmm. It, and it, it wasn't something I asked for, he just did it because he thought it would sound cool to have some extra percussion in there. And I agreed. Once he showed it to me, I was like, oh, that's great. So. But other than that, I mean, everything was, every note besides the violin was, was performed by myself, yeah. All right. And uh, is, it, is, it, uh, is it strange for you, coming from a, a background of working uh, within a band, a very popular band, but a band filled with very different individuals and musicians, and then working by yourself, like, uh, what are the pros and the cons to both Uh, you know, ways of working? Well, as a musician, I started off working by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, all my early bands when I was in high school, they started off as one-man bands. You know, I, I started, my first instrument was drums, and I played in the high school, you know, jazz band as a drummer, and I wanted to write songs, so I learned how to play guitar. And it just, that, it just kind of snowballed from that point. Um, because yeah, my interest was not playing covers, my interest was not just playing drums in a band, my interest was creating music and creating songs. So, once I was able to do that, you know, all of my projects were just were solo projects that evolved into bands, including Agalog. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, I think, something that will not that will not happen to this project. Um, at this point in my, my life and my career, I really don't want to play in bands anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I really just, I've had a lot of bad experience with it, of course, <laughs> but also I just really like to be able to just be in my world and not worry about someone else's ego or somebody else's, uh, idea of what it should be. Um, I, I guess what uh you know my own ego is taking over or whatever but when it comes to solo work it it is about your ego as an artist and what you and it doesn't nobody else should have a say in that mm-hmm. and once once a solo project or 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 a band becomes a full band you have to accept that responsibility that you know it's no longer your baby and that's what happened with Agalog. um so yeah i i feel more comfortable obviously as a solo artist um All right, obviously so it's, it's fun yep. it's fun to play live with with people or it used to be <laughs> <laughs> but it's also in a way more fun for me to to create a live performance by myself and that's what i'm working on right now is is translating what is going on on this album 
to the stage and doing it properly with all the percussion, with all the stuff. All right, but and it's going to take a lot of samples. Yeah, is that even possible? I mean, it's a it's a really rich album. It is. Yeah, and uh, I know I, I have no idea how you oh, can uh, translate yeah. that to stage. Well, it, like I said, there's, it's going to be a lot of sampling. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, you know, there's going to be stuff that will have to be pre-recorded, but I want to minimize the amount of of that and be able to fill in the majority of what's going on with the guitar and with other elements as well. And my obviously, when I do the vocal parts, that will be live. Um, but mainly the the structure, the backbone of the songs will have to be controlled through my sampling um, unit, which is great because you know the, I, I'm in full control of the of the work, and, and that will also be implemented uh, to go hand in hand with the with the visuals because I actually want to have video projections that go with each track mm -hmm. and that they're controlled from the stage. So I'm working on, yeah, it's a big undertaking, and I, my my end goal is to do something as a solo artist that's as impressive as a full band would be live. All right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, a bold it's gonna intention. Be, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's funny because you know nobody's playing live right now, and we all have time to, to develop this stuff, so. That's what I'm. I'm doing. That's become my new project. All right. So that when when we do play live again, I'll be ready to maybe play a festival and just you know I want it to be mind blowing. If oh. it's not mind blowing, you shouldn't do it. <laughs> uh, absolutely, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm already picturing it. Uh, you know, you're playing the main stage at uh, Roadburn, like oh, uh, 2021. <laughs> yeah, I. Th I think you. Uh, with Tagalog and even with Pivorian, because I saw you also with Pivorian at Roadburn, you fit right in. Like that's your kind of festival. That's that's the festival oh, yeah. that I imagine every time I, I want to see a favorite uh, artist. I, I imagine seeing them at Roadburn. Like that's that's the best thing. And uh, now that I've been listening uh, so much to your uh, solo work and especially to the new album. I think that Roadburn is kind of the right place. I think they have the gear. I think they can provide, uh, you know, the backdrop of uh, visuals, and it, and you probably can pull it off because you already know everything you should know about the album. And yeah. Yeah. Well, Roadburn is definitely my favorite festival, hands down. And Walter is such a amazing, amazing guy. And you know. <sighs> the dedication he has to this festival i mean when i when i was there in 2016 for my to do my solo uh performance he like i crossed paths with him and he's like john i've got your high watt i've got your son you're you're good to go and i'm like how the fuck did you like really <laughs> all the stuff that he has to think about and all the stuff that he has to uh, organize and he and he remembers my amps that i chose <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> to me i mean it's just the guy is he's a god when it comes to festivals and i hope that roadburn will survive this current um problem that that the world is facing yeah because it is a very 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 important festival to the arts and it's yeah if there's one festival in the world it should be roadburn yeah absolutely absolutely so yeah I, i'm really hoping uh, to hear the next track we're gonna play here uh 
in this form or in a slightly different live version but uh, this is a river of iron flows where once the gallows stood a really amazing track uh, I think Are you going to play the whole thing? I think we <laughs> should play the whole thing because it progresses and if we cut yeah. it like in, uh, into a two minute uh, you know, snippet, it's not going to make sense. You, know, like, no. you should listen it from beginning to end. So please listen it from beginning to end and we will be back after it. Yeah.
All right, all right. So now after this uh, stunner of a track, uh, it's epic. it's really it's really <laughs> epic, yeah, and really kind of a soundtrack uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, I think we should continue with something else that uh, I was thinking about when you uh, when you initially released the last place I remember, even before I saw your comments on the uh, the, the description you provided on the Bandcamp. Uh, when I listened to the last place I remember, I was initially reminded of Neil Young and the Dead Man soundtrack, because it's kind of the same feeling. Like even if the music is kind of different, but it's the same fucking feeling. And I know that you uh, are inspired by it because then I read read the description and I saw you know Dead Man soundtrack, Neil Young influence. But really, that's that's a great influence and a you know great soundtrack. Well, Dead Man is in my top three favorite films of all time. Uh, I I wa I can watch that movie every week, <laughs> you know, and uh, the score to that film is magical, and. It just it yeah, that that was definitely another one of those things that inspired this pro project for sure. I I, I will I will go to the top of a building and scream it to the world. <laughs> that that's definitely a, a huge 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 uh, reason why this 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 project even exists. So uh, I always I always dream about like you know uh, Jim Jarmusch approaching me to do a, a score for him because it'd just be like full circle you know but uh yeah yeah dead man ugh, it's it's hands down my favorite western it's one of my favorite movies it's just everything about it is so fucking perfect yeah absolutely but uh, uh yeah and i get her uh, you're a big jim jarbush fan <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. His uh, although his uh, last zombie movie, I, I, I'm not so sure about. Like it has the Jim Jarmusch feel. It has uh, most of what I like about Jim Jarmusch, and then there is this strange quality to it that I'm not really getting. Uh, I'm not really getting it. Like the Very the hipster, end of the yeah. movie. Yeah, it's it's kind of strange. Uh, it's uh, it, like it's his. Uh, it's his right to do whatever he wants because he's one of the greatest filmmakers alive and I wish he would do like at least five more movies so we can enjoy them this one is uh, was kind of strange but Dead Man is absolutely a fucking masterpiece and yeah. it's so underrated but, you yeah. know whenever you know Johnny Depp is mentioned it, you know Dead Man isn't the movie that he's associated with even though his he did such an amazing job on that in that movie yeah absolutely so, yeah yeah absolutely and and uh, because because of you mentioning it uh, now i was re-watching the movie yesterday and i kind of forgot that uh, there's uh, uh, iggy pop in there and i was like yeah. like iggy pop dressed as a woman i was like wow yeah i re i forgot about that part yeah that's that's kind of great that's kind of great about uh, jarbush movies that you had uh, musicians thrown in at uh, certain scenes or uh, s some of them play some you know leading roles but yeah mo most of the time yeah, yeah. yep yep yeah i mean he's had he's had screaming jay hawkins in his movies he's had uh, uh jack white he's had a lot of different yeah tom waits of course is in his his zombie film yeah you know it's 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 cool i mean obviously he's a musician and he comes from that you know new york punk background 
and he, you know, he's he's keeping uh, faithful to his heritage in that way, his musical heritage, and and using, you know, musicians from the past, like uh, I think John Lurie, mm-hmm. the saxophone player John Lurie, he's he's in one of his films. Yeah, so you know, uh, I I definitely understand why he would do that. If I was making films, I probably would do the same. <laughs> All right, and uh, and I was thinking, uh, is the fact that uh, the Dead Man soundtrack ends with uh, with a uh, with a track simply named Whoop Eight? Uh, no, no, uh, Whoop Eight is your track, and uh, <laughs> Liu Yang uh, ends uh, the soundtrack with guitar solo number six. Was that uh, some kind of an influence? Honestly, Just... <laughs> no. I, I didn't even know that until right now. I, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, a lot of times when I listen to music, especially soundtracks, I don't pay attention to the titles. All right. So Loop 8 was just... So the way that came around was, okay, so the, that first sound on that on that track, that, that screaming kind of guitar wail that, that is looped, mm-hmm. that was something I created um, when I was working on the new album. And I was, when, I, when I was working on putting together a live show, I had, you know, I was experimenting with my pedal boards and I came, I found this wailing sound that was just amazing. I mean, there was a lot of feedback, but it was fucking awesome. So I created something, I looped it, and it just happened to be loop number eight on my, on my uh, uh, loop station. Because yeah. at the time it was the Agaloc, it was the one I was using for Agaloc, and I had the first seven loops already used up and it was just the next one in line <laughs> and that's where that title came from it's something right. as prosaic yeah. as that right i just saw the numbers and i was like wow well, maybe he was paying homage to uh, you know yeah but yeah it's just a coincidence i'm just gonna go ahead and say yes <laughs> <laughs> all right so so now we're gonna play uh well not uh, the the final track of the dead man soundtrack but we are gonna play uh, the team the the team from uh, that absolutely amazing movie uh, and the soundtrack is uh, again it's uh, played by Neil Young a very great uh, improvised i'm guessing fully improvised thing so this is the dead man team from the dead man movie
I was going to say, um, the third album is going to probably have a lot more of that kind of stuff on it. Um, All right. All right. E- experimenting with acoustic instruments and, you know, guitar sounds, kind of like what I, what they did with um, Grave Nails and Blood Trails, mm-hmm. but expanding upon that. So that's definitely, it, it, that's going to be an ongoing influence, I think. All right. That's and it. Then All also, right. Yep. Yep. Sorry. Oh, and then uh, I was also going to say, um, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Tonali Yarva, he used to be the pace player of Impel Nazarene and mm-hmm. Sentenced. Um, he he actually approached me about the idea of doing um, kind of a full, like, I create the music, he does the lyrics and vocals, and we do this sort of like dark kind of dead man soundtrack inspired, you know, country thing. Nice. <laughs> and nice. You know, well, I don't know if it'll ever happen, but I was, I basically, when he proposed it to me, I was like, yes, <laughs> let's do that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you should give it a go. Know, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, who knows what that's going to happen with that, but I'm definitely down because, I mean, he's kind of an old musical hero of mine anyway. And it's, you know, we both have a lot of the same tastes in music. Uh, so, yeah. All right. Would be, would be cool. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, uh, that, that's another thing. You, you seem to be moving steadily away from uh, what people uh, used to call black metal. Like uh, it doesn't matter if they uh, reference Agawok or Pivorian. Now you're uh, more focused on uh, yeah, pretty much different uh, different stylistic approach to music. Uh, a lot uh, a lot different, uh, both as uh, you know lyrical themes or uh, as uh, 
you know, guitar playing. So uh, are you ever thinking of going back into, uh, you know, more black metal or metal as a whole? I have no idea. You know, it's interesting because I've never really considered myself a full-fledged metalhead. Um, maybe when I was a teenager and in my 20s, but I've always been into music yeah. just as a whole. You know, even when I was a raging metalhead teenager, I was also listening to Tori Amos. I was also listening to Coil. I was listening to Cocktoo Twins and things like that. And I love, I love music that does something to me on the inside. And it just isn't uh, just loud and heavy. You know, I want music to move, to be heavy emotionally and creatively. And, uh, you know, I don't think that metal necessarily alone achieves that for me so i've always sought out all kinds of music and because you can find something amazing in just about every genre even hip-hop <laughs> yeah of course of course um you know so so yeah i as far as like intentionally making a plan to do anything with black metal or metal in general i i have no plans for that right now um mm -hmm. that doesn't mean it, it could change in the future but I'm definitely on a new new course uh, of just exploring music as a, as, a, as an emotional aesthetic entity rather than a, just something that's part of a scene or part of a one style. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I remember back in the day when the mental came out, and uh, I I think that uh, you probably you mentioned in a couple of interviews that you were disillusioned with the metal scene and you wanted to make a kind of a different record that's why the metal was uh, a lot more uh, i don't know it had a lot more acoustics even new folk influences a lot of them uh and back then i thought uh, well maybe this band isn't going to be metal at all they're gonna morph into this kind of neo folkish rock or whatever kind of style it didn't happen uh, which uh, i'm guessing was uh, was good as well because you know you had some some great amazing metal albums uh, after after that uh, with agalog but you also had uh, the ytp which was uh, purely neo folk so i was i was thinking uh, th through these years that uh, you and probably don and probably everyone else in the band were interested in so many different types of music that you like couldn't choose which one to focus on no it was never really a choice it was just um you know creating a song and pulling from different influences at will um there was there were no rules Yep. Um, which is why I think The Mantle in some ways is kind of a very confusing album because there's just everything but the kitchen sink is in that record. But that's also <laughs> what makes that album interesting and I think so endearing, you know. Um, if we had sort of made it more of a, of a metal album, it wouldn't have had the impact, I think, yeah. uh, as, as it is. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I don't think of, like... I've I've got, I've so far gone past that attitude of, well, this has to be metal, or this has to be this, or this we have to use these influences only, because it's so limiting as an artist. I, I just can't wrap my head around that kind of idea of limiting yourself in such a way, unless of course 
it, there is a clear cut concept that you know you want to achieve. You know, I'm not going to have oh I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of something that would that would permeate into uh, cast iron blood that just wouldn't fit. Uh, uh, I, I whatever. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm kind of at a loss of what what would not fit on that record. You know, maybe like you know maybe more of a black metal attitude or something in that record would not fit at all yeah. although there uh, is one uh, like uh, two seconds of uh, you know black metal screech vocal screech on that record right yeah it's there's a funny story about that actually <laughs> when in the studio I, i wanted to do something that was kind of like once again moriconia moriconia influenced and the, my initial um approach to it was more like a you know voice in the background yeah and i have that version i have that version still um and listened to it back and i lived with it for a while and i was like eh, this is a little too goofy i don't want i don't want there to be almost like a humorous element to it so i thought about what i should put there because i wanted something and uh, i was like you know what i haven't i haven't done a growl in a few years so i'm gonna put it right here <laughs> yeah and i just was like yeah and that was it yeah. and it just kind of added this it kind of pulls the listener out of out of the concept for just a second and then it puts you back in yeah it works it totally so. works i, I kind of i kind of liked hearing it uh it, it's it was surprising yeah. as well yeah 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 that's that's yeah. great that's great okay so uh, maybe we should talk about uh, one of the Uh, one of the more, uh, I don't know, obscure influences, at least for me, it's Swans, because um, you you mention their uh, one of their greatest uh, releases. I really like it. I really like that uh, period of their work, White White uh, from the Mouth of Infinity, and yes. uh, that's that's like that's uh, Swans at their absolutely best. That's uh, the absolutely. band. The band being, uh, you know, uh, raw, but, uh, you know, somehow refined and uh, devastating as well. It's absolutely, it, it kind of fits with what you're doing, but maybe you should talk a bit more about uh, the Swans influence uh, on the album and on you well, as that, well. That, yeah, that, that was the first album I heard from them. It was something that Don showed me. And I was just floored by it. And I, I, you know, I thought that Swans, like all their stuff sounded like that. So once I explored their, their past discography, I was like a little bit disappointed, but I was like, ah, you know, I can see this is kind of God flesh like, or there's this stuff that's kind of acoustic. Like they had that, that album, uh, The Burning World, which came out right before White Light. So I thought that was an interesting passage to go from this really kind of contemporary acoustic rock album to this massive, kind of uh, almost gothic post-industrial masterpiece yeah, yeah um and then of course love of life kind of carried on as well and um their their last album before their breakup uh soundtracks for the blind that's another great one um but post breakup swans i'm not as interested in they're kind of like feels an nephilim for me you know they should have just stayed dead <laughs> mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, White Life in the Mouth of Infinity, it, it, it just has this movement to it and uh, this, this, this empowering atmosphere. And that song, Power and Sacrifice, the percussion, it was clearly what I was going for 
on elements of especially uh river of iron <clears throat> you know um that that and it and, you know and it you can hear kind of references to even morricone and just you know classical music in the way that the drums are the the, the snare is performed in that and i just loved it so much and yeah I, it it's a powerful record <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely uh, i I've been meaning to ask you, have you seen Michael play solo? Michael yes. Jira? Yeah, I, I think, I, I think I watched, he's, yeah. Oh, I, I was gonna say, I watched him yell at a sound guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I watched him try uh, try to kick a photographer. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of the classic Michael, yeah. Yeah, well, I've seen, I've seen him do that, his solo stuff. I've seen Angels of Light. Um, I've seen Swans, but yeah, it was it was really fun to watch him play this tiny little dive bar and just basically yell at everyone. <laughs> he he once told somebody to stop singing. <laughs> somebody started singing along with him, and he was like, "Stop singing!" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's that kind of guy. He's that kind of guy. Yeah, he, he's great. He, he's he's great. kind of commanding. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. But I, some people, you know, some people can can hang with a personality like that and others can't i mean i certainly can <laughs> yeah absolutely I, i really loved his performance and i kept a safe distance you know not to annoy him at any at any time but uh, it's kind oh. of it was kind of uh, interesting how uh, you know because swans is such a massive band like massive sound that's just overwhelming you and then he's out there with his guitar And uh, he's doing these very simple versions of tracks or uh, his solo tracks or whatever. And he's, uh, and he's still a very powerful and commanding guy. He's uh, really impressive. I was, I was, I, I didn't know what to expect. I just went there. I was like, okay, he's a legend. I should see him. But, you know, he really blew me away. Yeah. Just, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, he, uh, When I saw him perform solo, I actually brought my copy of White Light from the Mouth of Infinity with me to have him sign. And I actually apologized. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but will you will you sign this? And he was really cool about it, you know, because I mean, it was at the time before Swans had, had reformed. Yeah. So, yeah, I wasn't sure what his, what his, his uh, especially after seeing him yell at somebody while he was performing, I, I didn't know what it was going to be like to to ask him to sign that cd but he did so all right great. cool so you have a signed copy of this all right yeah all right yeah. so everyone out there uh please try to grab uh you know an lp or a cd of uh white white from the mouth of infinity we're gonna play a very powerful track from it it's called power and sacrifice hell yeah, yeah.
<laughs> all right, uh, all right. So uh, we kind of ran out of um, you know recommendations uh, or rather influences on the uh, on the sound of uh, your latest album. But uh, maybe we should talk a bit more about the concept because it's called uh, it's called Cast Iron Blood, but it also has these uh, years mentioned. 1865, 1895. Why so? What's the what's the deeper meaning of the concept? Well, the, um, I read somewhere, and I, if I remember correctly from Montana history classes in high school, that the 1865 to 1895 were generally seen as the renegade years of the Old West. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when you had the train robberies and the just the, it was just it was completely lawless. It was. Be- you know it was, that was the most lawless time and you know that was after slavery was abolished so you had you know um, a mix of of people you know uh, and yeah it was just that was like seen as like the dark period of, of the old west so mm-hmm. I just embraced that as part of you know the concept yeah you know? a lot of a lot of you know advancement in technology and and stuff happened in, in that time as well like like the building of the railroad and uh uh yeah mainly that <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all right and uh, is it um, i don't think it's it's that common for um uh, for an american uh, i don't know metal musician let's say metal uh, i i don't mean that you're only playing metal but uh, to embrace such a homebound concept because you know most uh, most metaverse from uh, from the United States are either singing about Satan or just being rock and roll or being Viking or whatever. But you know you you embrace a very homebound concept. Uh, is is that uh, you know rewarding? Is that dangerous in any way? Because you know we're living at times where history is being revisited, rewritten, or whatever. Uh, yep. Um, I don't know. I haven't had anyone accuse me of, you know, espousing colonialism or anything yeah, at, yeah. at this point, but it would be fucking ridiculous if they did, you know? Yeah, of course. Um, it's just, I'm just, I'm just inspired by what was essentially our American history and America's, uh, you know, the, the ghost towns of the old west are our versions of castle ruins in europe you know what i mean mm. so it's just it's interesting to me and it's been interesting to me ever since i've i grew up around that stuff and i don't know i just i like it so i'm going to express my 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 art uh, that celebrates it mm-hmm. and if you know people have a problem with that then well <laughs> it's not my problem yeah of course <laughs> but, of course yeah and it goes back really to Agavok because Agavok was uh, referring to, you know, to certain places in uh, Oregon or to certain aspects of uh, Cascadia or American uh, nature and traditions as well, right? Yeah, yeah. We just, I mean, I feel that it. There's nothing more pretentious than being a band from Ohio that calls yourself, you know viking black belt you know what i mean (laughs) so you know we just happen to to live in a really lush and beautiful part of the united states so it was really easy for us to just take influence from that and of course you know we have the native american history those those are indigenous people 
um, which, you know, in Dead Man, you know, you, there's that there's that dichotomy of, of Native American um, folklore and the writings of William Blake yeah. almost being the same from the same uh, cut from the same tree in a way, you know. Yeah, so, of course. Uh, you know, we had that. And then, of course, Don, you know, was really into American uh, transcendentalist writers mm-hmm. and thought that that would be a good thing to add you know, to our, our repertoire as well, just to stand out, you know, instead of quoting Nietzsche or something, we'll quote Emerson, you know, because it, it, because a lot of what Emerson uh, wrote about was the kind of stuff that we were interested in, you know, Mm -hmm. as a band. So yeah, it it just worked out that way. All right. And uh, just by looking at your Instagram, I think you're, uh, you continue exploring you know the, the different states or regions around you because uh, you keep posting pictures of uh, you know re- uh, really interesting places or uh, you know uh, nature or whatever and it, it seems that uh, that's a that's a constant process of you discovering more and more things about the united states yeah yeah i mean I haven't been traveling as much as I used to, um, but yeah, I, I definitely like to get out and see new places and and, expl- and see old places again. And yeah, I, I'm all I've always been about traveling, and that's another I think element to the personal side of this project is it is about a traveler, and I've always I've grown up traveling, mm. so yeah, I, I love that. Do, but uh, do, do you happen to find a place that you that you just uh, go to, and you uh, never planned on uh, going there, but it suddenly inspires you to write a track, or you know, you know, probably uh, even think of a whole album like that graveyard that you saw uh, for uh, the last place I remember. Yeah, in fact, um, there's a place down the gorge, down the Columbia River Gorge, uh, called Rowena Crest, mm-hmm. and it's one of my favorite places in Oregon and I go there often um, and that place actually inspired the song Ghosts of the Winter, Winter Fires mm-hmm. um, it inspired it the atmosphere and just I don't know that that song kind of started there All and right. yeah so what I was trying to evoke in the song was the atmosphere of that place mm-hmm. alright alright so yeah, that's uh, it's cool that you mentioned that because that's probably my uh, favorite track from Agawok. Although I have no idea if I have a favorite track because I've been listening to, you know, binge listening to uh, to the albums throughout the years. So I'm not sure if I have a favorite album or a track. They're all fucking great. But yeah, it's good that you mentioned this one because now I know uh, where the inspiration lies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's were a, you? Yep. Were, were you at the Agalock show in in Sofia? Yeah, of course. Oh, of course. Well, well, yeah. That, that was a. That, actually, I have, that was a funny day for us. <laughs> yeah, I remember all the all the trouble in Romania, uh, crossing the Danube. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah. Okay, I yeah. wasn't. I wasn't sure which river it was. I was asleep on the bus and I woke up. So, do you know the story? Uh, yeah, I've heard it, but uh, you can retell okay. it because I don't think I know every detail from it. Okay, so yeah, so we crossed the venue, and I remember waking up thinking that we were at the venue, and I, I get up there and I'm like, 
are we at the venue? And of course, everyone laughs at me and they're like, no, we're stuck on a ferry. And I'm like, what do you mean? And it's like, basically, the I guess the river, the water level was so low that when the bus tried to exit the ferry, the trailer got stuck on the <laughs> um, the, the threshold, the grating. Yeah. And the, so the bus bus was basically just it was stuck there on uh, on the ferry. The ferry couldn't go anywhere. Traffic backed up for miles on the other side. There were fans who wanted to go to the show in Sofia that didn't make it because of our stupid bus. And um, we, I think we were stuck there for three hours. Yeah, I know you were and, late. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so we're standing outside the bus, and obviously the bus driver. There was talk of them bringing a a, a tray like a tractor to just wrench the bus off the off the thing. And the dr bus driver was like, no, I don't want to do that. That's going to fuck up the front of the bus, blah, blah, blah. And so anyway, we didn't know what was going to happen. And we're standing outside the bus and we see the tractor pull up. And we're like, ah, oh, fuck, this is how they're going to get off. And um, so the, tr the tractor <clears throat> stops at facing the bus. And it's, it's there for a couple of minutes, and then it just backs up, and almost through kinesis, the bus follows <laughs> without even touching the bus. And we're like, what the fuck kind of magic tractors do they have in Bulgaria? <laughs> and, it, it, what, and what we didn't know is that the bus driver had this genius idea of lowering the, pr the tire pressure in the front tires, which evened out everything, and it was able to breached the, the the threshold that, that the trailer was stuck on yeah yeah but we didn't know this we thought that there was this magic tra tractor that they yeah. had to call and it was just it, it was the it was definitely one of the funniest moments on tour and i have the moment on <laughs> on video on my phone um but then yeah it was like i have really i have really fond memories of bulgaria um i was after we got into the country um i remember sitting at the top on the top area of the bus uh the the upstairs area above the driver um is like kind of an air uh, a lounge area where you can watch yeah you yeah. can just look out the window and, and i remember i was listening to uh le mystery de vaux bougalaire mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. while, while driving through fields of sunflowers and it was just so perfect it was like the perfect soundtrack of that kind of visual and yeah and then like after the show walked around a bit in Sofia it was it was a really wonderful time and we got there late and <clears throat> the people at the venue had had made us all of this traditional Bulgarian food and so it was it was a really wonderful wonderful experience for us even though we were three hours late and I think we showed up an hour before doors or something and it was a bit of a chaotic chaotic show but yeah, it was yeah. a problem for us <laughs> we enjoyed every minute of it so yeah yeah you know we had fans well, there were some people who showed up after we were finished playing and they were like, oh, we just got here. Have you played? And we're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they told us about, they told us about, yeah, there's this stupid bus that got stuck on the ferry, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and we're like, yeah, that was us. <laughs> <laughs> like, where the blame? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I really, uh, uh, yeah, I'm glad that you liked it, we liked it, and uh, yeah, it was one of the last shows of the band ever, right? It was right, like, we, uh, you, we yeah, you had two shows in Greece then? That was it, yeah, Athens, or no, Thessaloniki was our last show. All right. So, so yeah, we played Sofia, uh, Athens, and then Thessaloniki, and then that was it. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And it, it, it makes you wonder, like, you saw one of the last uh, shows. It was so good. It was a little chaotic, but it was so good. Like, I really liked it. And I think everyone else liked it as well. But, sometimes yep. sometimes chaos can, can lead to, uh, you know, great, great things. Yeah, of course, sometimes. like uh, seeing all the uh, sunflower fields and listening to Bulgarian folk music. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that should be rewarding. All right. All right. So maybe, maybe uh, we should end this episode with the last track from the album. It's uh, simply called Loop Eight, but it's also called The Crossing. Um, yes. Maybe it's a it's a crossing. It's kind of a bridge to the to the next part of the trilogy. Yes. All and right. it references the Cormac McCarthy book. All right. All right. So, okay. Thank you very much, man. Thank you for uh, taking your time to talk to me. Taking, thank you for explaining all of the influences and uh, all of the themes that are um, in this uh, great new album. So, yeah. I wish you all the best and I really would like to see you play live at Roadburn. Really. Or uh, life anywhere, but Roadburn in particular. Well, thank you for having me. This was this was a real pleasure, and uh, yeah, I, I definitely want to play Roadburn and play more shows again. I would love to play in Bulgaria again. You know. Yeah, it's yeah. We'd love we'd love to have you here. Absolutely. Oh yeah, it would be fun. All right, so. all right. So thank you very much, man. And uh, all right. I guess talk to you sometime in the future, and uh, I'd like to see you live. Thank you, Absolutely. and uh, everyone, this is the last track from uh, Cast Iron Blood. It's called Loop 8, The Crossing. Go check the album, it's online, you can uh, get the CD. Go check it out, it's a real pleasure, it's a real uh, journey. Yep. Alright, John. Bye -bye. All right. thank you very much. Bye, Bye. man.
What a great episode, eh? We promise more are coming, so check back with us in a week or two. Until then, stay safe and stick to your guns.